0: I'm going to invite everyone to return to their seats. Pick up those conversations after the rest of the service. I just have one fun announcement before we pray. Um, Eileen Stiba came up to me before the service and said, you know how you guys have been praying for, for my granddaughter? So for those of you who maybe don't remember this or weren't on the prayer chain, Eileen's granddaughter was born at 26 weeks gestation. Was it 26, thereabouts? 22. Okay. And, And God worked some miracles there. And this little girl survived and has thrived over time. And today she is going home. She's been actually, yes, she was born in Vancouver because, um, because Mm -hmm. of complications and they live in Kelowna and so this Kamloops sorry and so this is um this is a family reunion today as well as a celebration of God's goodness to this family and so if you see Eileen afterwards she will show you pictures and then she will show you more pictures (laughs) (laughs) so enjoy those and and just join me in prayer celebrating God's goodness to this family (laughs) Lord, we celebrate your goodness. You are good. And you have demonstrated this in in the life of little Eloise. And we celebrate how you have intervened and brought health and life and wholeness to this little one. Thank you so much that there is a wonderful family reunion happening, perhaps even as we speak or very soon today. Lord, may it be everything that it should be and more. And may may this family together see your goodness to them. I pray that they they would reflect on your generosity, your healing power, your intervention, and your provision through these many, many weeks. That has brought Eloise to the point of being able to be released from medical care and into her home. We celebrate you. And we celebrate alongside Eileen and and Patrick and the family. Lord, we are about to open your word. And in doing so, we, we come to humble ourselves and say, you are Lord, teach us your ways that we may walk in them. So Lord, would you open us to your word? Would you sensitize us to your voice in the moment? Would you convict, would you challenge, would you encourage for the sake of your good name, your reputation, your glory, make Jesus look really good through our lives as we follow him. Would you do this all through the power of your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Question for you. If Jesus says we must do something, must we? (laughs) Thank you. That was the answer I was looking for. Yes, we must. What you have just done is inducted yourselves into the ministry of Jesus, and specifically the ministry that he works in working for healing. Go to John 9, please. You may not all become healing ministers, but you all inducted yourselves into the ministry of healing. My wife and kids are at home this morning because my daughter is sick, and my wife called me at about 20 after 9 and said, Roz is sick. We're staying home. I said, you know, I'm preaching on healing this morning, right? She's like, I know, it's ironic. Um, like probably all of you with younger children, school-aged children, the winter was really rough this past year with sickness, wasn't it? Yep. I heard an amen. <laughs> it was. Um, and it, it was for us, too but not as rough as it could have been because we have begun stepping into trying to do the things Jesus does with the authority that he grants his people to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And so, yeah, there were times where Chantel and the kids were not here like today because came up dry, but there were other times that they were here because God, God intervened and worked through us to do what Jesus did. so I, I come both at um, saying, "I haven't got all this figured out yet." I like the I added the yet. <laughs> I haven't got all this figured out, um, but I, I want to step into it for the sake of my kids and your kids and the others that we will pray for and the others that God has given me a love for. Okay, so I, I'm stepping into this with both a, a humility that I have, not, I have not figured this out, and yet at the same time, a challenge to say, but there's more for us to step into. And that's all of us. It's not the, the guy on the stage. Okay, and we're going to get into that. John 9, beginning at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, "Teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind?" Jesus answered, "It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him, we must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day." If Jesus says we should we must do something, must we? Um, Verse four, we must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's not in the world anymore in that sense. So who's the light of the world now? We sing that, don't we? Right, what's the light of the world about to do? When he had said this, he spit on the ground and made mud from the saliva and applied the mud to the man's eyes. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated "sent." So he left and washed and came back seeing. So the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he, while others still were saying, no, but he's like him. The man himself kept saying, no, I'm the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made mud. And spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and I washed and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. And that's where we're gonna stop. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. I wanna remind us as we have of something we have covered many, many times going through John, but it's still so new to us that it is worth repeating again and again, till it becomes part of our understanding of Jesus and our understanding of ourselves. And that is that Jesus does not heal because he is God, right? Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for god was with him how do people get healed because god anointed jesus with the holy spirit and with power and he went about doing that work under the power of the holy spirit they got healed for god was with him not for he was god and and i know it is taking time to to bring a new framework to reading Scripture, but it's absolutely essential, and we see this coming out over and over and over again in John, and it comes from Jesus' mouth. So, in John five nineteen, Jesus says, "I can do nothing on my own." Why don't you flip back to that passage just to see it in your own black and white in front of you? John five nineteen. Truly, truly. I say to you, when Jesus says truly, truly, it's like he put like bold and in, in, in italics and underline all on, in, in, in all caps. Pay attention to this. This is, everything I say is important as Jesus, but this is even more important. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing by himself. Does only what he sees the Father doing. Verse 30 Of that same chapter, I can do nothing on my own. These are just two examples of of something that comes up in different wording throughout the gospel of John. So one more time in John 12, verse 50. Jesus says, the things I speak, I speak because the father told me to say it. The things that Jesus does, he does not on his own, but as the Father is doing it through him, as the the Spirit is empowering him. The things that Jesus speaks are not, he is not speaking as God, he's speaking as a man who heard God. Jesus is God. Hear me very clearly. I worship Jesus as God. But the things that he says and does, he does not say and do because he is God. He emptied himself of his divine rights, Philippians 2, and became the the vessel through which the spirit worked. He became entirely dependent on God to speak through him and work through him. And that's important as we come once again to John 9, because Jesus becomes our example. Jesus is not our example if he does everything in his own power, because I am not God. And so it it ends up taking away the, the application of the very gospels themselves, if we see Jesus saying and doing things that he can only say and do because he's God. No, he said and did these things as an example to us and is an example to us because he, he was dependent on the Lord for everything. So I, I remind us of this. I know I've preached this so many times, but not everyone has heard it. And, and we all need to get it down into our bones more. Because we're, gonna, we're about to see Jesus heal. And I don't want you to read the passage and go, that's for Jesus, not for me. So the disciples initiate a conversation with Jesus. They see this guy at the side of the road, and they assume that his condition of blindness is a result of sin. That is a live option, right? And that's a New Testament. It's emphasized in the New Testament. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30 says, um, those of you who have been Taking in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Some of you have become sick and died. They were sinning, and it had physical repercussions on their bodies. Sin does sometimes lead to sickness. Okay? But it's not a rule that you are sick because you have sinned. The disciples assume it's a rule. And Jesus says, no, it's not a rule. It's still a live option, but in this case, I'm telling you, for this particular man born blind, it had nothing to do with either his sin or his parents' sin. So are we following this? It's a live option, but it doesn't apply in this case. How does Jesus know that? If if he is dependent on God, he either had a conversation with God earlier that day, in his quiet time, God says to him, you're going to have this conversation with this particular guy. It's not a sin issue. Or perhaps in the moment, the disciples ask him a question and he checks in. What's the answer, Lord? Or perhaps it's a spiritual gift, like a word of knowledge that just gets dropped into Jesus in the moment. He didn't have it, and suddenly it was there. Either way, whichever scenario you pick, Jesus says no based on his relationship with the Father if you are following what I have been saying about Jesus' dependence on God. So in some way, the Father lets Jesus know this is not a sin issue for this guy. Jesus' response then is to say no, it's not. And we're not going to focus there. Where we are going to focus is on what we have to do. The, the we must. So would you look with me again at that verse? John 9, verse 4. We must. Not I must. Not I as Jesus. We must. Because he's passing on his example and his teaching to people who will carry it on While when he is no longer the light of the world in that same sense. And then it will be our job to carry it forward. We must carry out the works of him who sent me. We must. I know this has been a real struggle for some people. And the the very first question that comes to mind is, how am I going to do that if I don't have the gift of healing? Right? I've had this conversation with people quite a number of times. The answer to it is um, you don't need the gift of healing for Jesus to heal people through you. This was brought home to me in a new way. I was listening to a sermon my, my mom passed on to me from my sister's church in Ontario. Uh, the pastor's name is John Thompson, and he, he distinguished between a gift versus a discipline. This is a crucial distinction for all spiritual gifts of every kind, and simply the way that we function as Christians. I wouldn't say I have the gift of hospitality. I am not exempt from being hospitable. Right? I don't have the gift for worship. You know, there they're more spiritual gifts than what's listed in scripture, but that's another topic. Okay. Um, I don't have the gift for all of these things, but I'm still responsible to learn how to live my life in such a way that that I rely on the dependence on uh, on the Lord and that He operate in me such that these things happen. Right? You might not have the I'm a teacher by nature. That's my gift. Okay? Doesn't mean that I I can't improve on it, but it's something that comes sort of more naturally to me. It doesn't come as naturally to you, but you taught your kids to tie their shoes and drive their cars. And some of you have a gift for teaching and some of you don't, but you still step into it. Same with hospitality, teaching. It's it's the same with prophecy, as we've been talking about prophecy over and over and over again. Some people are just going to operate more naturally. They're going to get God's voice a little bit more quickly, but all of us can learn to hear God's voice because some of us get a gift, and some of us just, it's a discipline. And we learn the discipline of hearing the Lord, just like we learn the discipline of teaching, just like we learn the discipline of hospitality. It's the same with healing. I'm not sure I have a gift of healing, but I can grow in a discipline such that the Lord will use me and more people will get healed than if I simply say, well, I don't got the gift, so sorry about your luck. Go find someone who does. This was just profound for me. I I found it so helpful. And so I I blessed this, this pastor who who put language to something I've been talking about with people, but I hadn't been able to come up with such a simple word as discipline. That's awesome. Because suddenly it becomes accessible to other people. You should ask for the gift. You are commanded in Scripture to ask for and strive for the greater gifts. And greater gifts in Scripture are those that build up the church. That's why prophecy and healing are two of those that are named there. So you should ask for the gift of healing. And in the meantime, you and I go for the discipline. All right, we're going to learn this stuff together. Because we must, we must, according to Jesus' words, and you got implicated in it when you said yes. We must. We must. How? How do you learn Quidditch? I love that some of you people know what Quidditch is and some of you don't. Quidditch is the game from the novels and movies, Harry Potter. And they fly around on broomsticks, throwing balls and different things through the air, through these hoops that are hundreds of feet in the air, and and so on. Do you know people actually play Quidditch? Like muggles, like you and me. That should have had more laughter. I'm disappointed that not all of you are into this stuff. Muggles are non-magical people. All of you non-magical people. There are Quidditch leagues. I laughed out loud when I discovered this, because it's just hilarious to me, that from a children's book, um, non-magical people are going to run around a gym with broomsticks through their legs, chasing, I think it's a guy in like a golden outfit because that's part of the point of the game in in uh Harry Potter. There, there's a what they call the golden snitch and it's flying around everywhere. Well apparently some guy is the golden snitch running around from everyone while the people are running around a gym with a broom through their legs. How are you gonna learn how to play that game? Well you might need to do some reading. You might need to watch and eventually you join in right you you join in and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to carry the metaphor so much further as far as, you know, God pouring out supernatural power or something like that. But in order, in order for you to step into healing, you might need to do some reading. Start with the Gospels and watch what Jesus does and do what Jesus did. How many of you have had kids with a fever? Jesus laid his hands on Peter's mother-in-law and rebuked a fever. You will not, it's not a formula, okay? Jesus healed a blind man one way and then he healed a blind man a different way, okay? But you can start watching how Jesus does things, right? So start by reading and then start by doing. Don't wait until you have it all figured out. I, I bring up the Quidditch analogy Partly also, because you better be prepared to look foolish in this, so you better drop your ego, you better let go of fear that I might get this thing wrong, I might look foolish, it might nothing might happen. I might put my hands on someone and rebuke a fever, and they go, well, that didn 't work. you know you know what? I followed Jesus and loved you enough to try, but if if we all start picking this up, there will be more fevers that will go. And the more that you rebuke fevers, the more broken bones will respond. We're going to need to embrace some things that make us really uncomfortable. This is a really awkward healing. I know you grew up with this story, but just step back and realize Jesus horked a big one in a pile of dirt and then spread it on someone's face. And if you think God's going to operate more in a more distinguished way because you're 21st century people, think again. So we better be prepared to step in and take some risks and be prepared for misunderstanding, be prepared to get things wrong. And be prepared to embrace weird things. You know, see people get healed. And and I'm preaching this boldly, but I'm, I'm preaching it to myself because I really struggle with this. I remember praying with one person at the front one time here, and I thought I heard the Lord, we were praying for a knee problem, and I thought I heard the Lord say, tell this person to stand up and walk like why would i tell this person to do something that they say is currently hurting right so there are just there are risks involved what if what if i didn't hear it right um there's a a story of a guy named ken fish i i really like ken fish um he is a solid biblically grounded guy who operates in healing ministry but this guy knows the word and he tells a he tells this story as a, a way of humbling himself and also encouraging other people that one time he said he was he was praying with a, a woman who could not speak and what he heard the Lord say was spit on her tongue and he said I don't want to do that Lord is that any weirder than what we just read here Okay, so we're not out of the realm of Scripture, right? He says, I think, you know, he's having this dialogue between himself and God silently, spit on her tongue. I can't do that. I'm the guy here. Right? He said, so what I did was I, I licked my finger and put it on her tongue, and she was half healed. And he told that story in order to encourage the people he was training and healing that I've, he said, I've always wondered... What would have happened if I'd actually done what I heard? God may, might ask you and me to do weird stuff to test. It, he did it to Jesus. I've never been told to spit, and I pray it doesn't happen, to be perfectly honest. But um, God has reasons for doing th- these things. They're not always immediately apparent, but they often reveal our hearts. you might want to be prepared to, to let a person know, I think God's asking you to do something. Because Jesus often required participation that a person might receive their healing. He t- He told 10 lepers to go and wash, all right? Present themselves to the priests. He He makes this guy go and wash. Um, it's not It's not always as simple as just lay a hand, rebuke, and oh, they're up and it's all good. He he at times requires participation. Sometimes it's a sin issue, right? I'm not, so I'm, I'm, I'm diverging here a little bit. I don't want to get into it. I'm not trying to present a whole theology of healing or a whole step-by-step at all. I'm just, I'm trying to preach the passage and say that there are some options here. And, and you should expect this. But we really must step into this. Why? Because he says we must, right? It's like in black and white. We must do the works that the Father has sent me to do. So whatever Jesus did is now my blueprint for my life. I, I must do that. But I also want to emphasize we can. We we really can. Whether you have the gift or not, you can go for the discipline. You, you can do that. Stop looking at the baby. <laughs> um, you really can do this. And I, I mean you. There, there's Without an exception in this room, if you know Jesus, he invites you little you and little me to step into the works that he did. In fact, he told us we would do the same things in greater uh, as he will say later on in John. I I told this story a number of uh, months ago, but in the summertime of last year, I went home. um, No, I went back to Ontario. This is home. I went back to Ontario and it was my parents' house. And, um, I, my sister had been staying there with him, and she hobbled down the stairs with a, a crutch. And um, she she had sprained her ankle quite badly the night before, so her leg was all wrapped up in the, whatever bandage that's called, and she couldn't move it. And she's hobbling around with crutches in my parents' house. And we have to go to my grandparents'. They do visitation before a funeral in Ontario, so we had to go to the visitation that, that night. And I said, what happened? She tells me about this baseball injury from the night before. And uh, I'm like, okay, let's let's pray for it. And so we just started by listening. The first step is always start by checking in with God, right? Just listening. And I can't remember what I, I think I heard, but the long and short of it is, Laid hands, and whether I told pain to leave and inflammation to go, or whether I said, you know, um, healing come in Jesus' name, I have no idea. I can't remember. Um, but at, at the end of our time together, and we we spent some time on it. It wasn't simply a prayer, Lord, please help my sister. She's really hurting, and we have a whole lot of stuff to do tonight. Because that's not actually the way Jesus acted. Like that might be shocking to you, but Jesus didn't actually pray for the sick. He healed the sick. We always pray for the sick. But what, what Jesus does, and that isn't actually, you can't call it prayer because he's not addressing God. He's talking to the person and the condition. So anyway, I, I tend to combine those things at times. But um, So I pray the Lord, but the, I think what I'm hearing is, you know, tell this to leave or whatever it is. So we get through that time. It's an interactive time. right? Takes some time. And she tests it out. And it's like, I don't know, 50% better or 75% better or something like that. It was better enough that she didn't use the crutch anymore. It was not fully healed. But is that still God? So I'm happy to take, I'm happy to give God 100% of the credit for that. And I'm happy to take ownership of, of the lack. But I wanna, I wanna focus on hey, God did something there. My my sister was healed, and she was able, not fully healed, but still a healing. And she went to the visitation that night, and she continued icing it, and it took a while for the remainder of the, the healing to happen, whether it was supernatural or just the body working itself out or whatever. Um, so that was, that was at the very beginning of our visit. And so we had a number of conversations about healing over that time, and my, my sister just got more interested in it. And She's got little kids, and she called me after I was back home here uh, a number of weeks later. She called me out of the blue and said, Ben, I did what you did, and it worked. I'm like, what did I do? And she's like, well, when you prayed for my ankle, and we did that thing. It's not prayer. When you, when you did that thing with my ankle, like I, I just copied you. I don't even remember what I said or did, to be perfectly honest. But I, I did it with Charlie, my, her youngest, or maybe it's Georgia, one of the two. I did it with one of my kids, and it worked. What do I do? (laughs) So then we started to have conversations about some of the things that I'm sharing with you now. And she's seen more of stuff like that. Does she have the gift? No, I think she just went for the discipline. You can do it too. And you can call me up and say, Ben, you know, I did what you did and it worked. I did what Jesus did and it worked. You will find it works more the more you do it. I've had way more, um, squibs. (laughs) I've had way more things where just nothing happened than something happened. But I've seen more things happen as I've taken some risks, right? Take some risks. You will be, you will be surprised and humbled by the fact that God will use you. It's awesome. There's a saying in in this, um, I, maybe it was Robbie Dawkins that said it, I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was Robbie Dawkins. Robbie Dawkins is a pastor, vineyard pastor in the States. And he said, um, you know, I, I've taught this stuff and then told people to go do it. And some people come back to me and say, I tried and it didn't work. And he said, try praying for 200, you'll be hooked. Like, why don't we set the bar there and step into the we must and, and practice a discipline And trust God for the results, but we can all grow in this stuff in order that that we might show love to other people. That's kind of our mission, right? Right? People feel loved even when nothing happens. And sorry, but you will, if you practice this, there will be times when probably nothing will happen. But, you know, if you, if you walk through that with people, they do feel loved for the fact that you spent time with them and you cared about what they were going through. I mean, one of the things that you see, if you start reading this stuff in Jesus's life, you will see that it's often compassion that precipitates the healing. And if, and if you're already a compassionate person, and you've got one up on, on some of the rest of us. Yeah. We do it because people, people need to be loved. We do it because there is a world that's actually really longing for this. Paul, Paul says, I, my preaching, you know, does the world need the gospel? He, Paul says, my preaching was not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and power. The world needs a gospel that we can actually say, the Lord wants to heal you too. Because as you will see, as you continue reading this story, the guy meets Jesus and then starts following Jesus because Jesus healed him. It's not just available for the people that already know, and perhaps I I would suspect God's even more motivated to, to touch some people who don't yet know him precisely to show his love to them. As we see in this passage, the world is longing for this. We must do this. We can do this. And you know what? As you step out and take a risk, God is blessed you will put a smile on the face of your father like you you and I can't even imagine because you will care for people and you will say, I will risk to step into the life of Jesus and demonstrate um, dependence on the spirit because if you don't show up, God, this is going to be awkward. It's dependence on him. but he he will, and you can. I I invite you to, to go back to the gospels and just watch what Jesus does, and then say, Lord, I want to follow you in this too. I want to be hospitable. I want to be a better teacher. I want to ask for the greater gifts, but I will start with this discipline. I will go for it because I love Jesus, because I love people, because this is part of what you have invited us into, that we might look more and more like Jesus. You will bless your Father. He will be deeply honored by your risk. He will be deeply honored by you following in the footsteps of the Jesus we love so much. He will be deeply, deeply honored by you depending on the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord I want to acknowledge right away that apart from you we can do nothing those are Jesus's words but depending on you staying in connection with you there's fruit that happens in fact you say that we will bear much fruit So Lord, would you prune away the stuff that needs to be pruned away, like our fear and our ego, so that we could step into the life that you are offering us, so that we could see more and more people be touched by your hand? I don't know why you choose to use middlemen so much in scripture. I don't get it, but I trust you. So Lord, would you, would you give us new levels of courage and conviction in you and in your word that we might see a world blessed? That we might see people like this man born blind come to Jesus? Lord, would you make us more like Jesus? What a life you invite us into, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you so much for the ways that you choose to work with us. You choose to use us. I'm in awe of you, Lord. I bless you. Would you bless my brothers and sisters here as we step into discipline? And may you pour out more gifts that your church might be built up that your world might be touched, that Jesus might be glorified. All credit and glory to you, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close the service a little differently. Um, I'm going to invite the, the team that was going to come forward and pray. Would you guys come on up? What we're going to do is give you opportunity to come for prayer whether you need prayer for healing or you simply need prayer for something going on or you just want prayer because you know something's coming up, whatever it is that's going on, we we have a just a team of people that'll be happy to pray for you. And so we're gonna make this space a prayer space. And if you want to visit, please visit. You're welcome to do so out in the foyer. But if you've got business to do with God, if you've got something going on in your life, maybe it's a relationship issue you want prayer for, maybe it's a physical healing, whatever it is, this is your opportunity to just have some other people listen to the Lord, pray over you, and be a brother or a sister to you. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Blessings, everyone.